Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast anytime on iTunes. Today I'm joined by my wife, cookbook author and writer, Julia Tertian. Hi. Because we had lunch plans after this, and we decided it'd be much more fun to approach this topic with two people rather than one. Um, earlier this week, I took a poll online to see which subjects people were most interested in hearing about on this show. And there were several topics that kept popping up, most of which involved productivity. And while I've shared my favorite time management apps and wax poetic about Boomerang before, I thought this topic deserved a little bit more attention and thought. So often productivity posts are about tricks or hacks or tiny tools that let you eke one more minute of work out of your day bit by bit. But I've never been a fan of the way of that sort of thinking. It's the sort of thinking that leads to the idea of needing more hours in the day or eight hours or eight days in a week. And I really don't love that way of thinking. I'm really a big fan of the idea of working smarter and not harder. Because if there's one string that runs through every show that I've done here before, it's really about finding a way to enjoy what you do more and to do more of what you enjoy outside of the office. So today's show is about 14 rules of thumb that I believe in fully and try to practice in my own personal life. And I used to be a master of procrastination. But lately, I've been able to really cross a line a bit more into the land of being someone who gets something not only done, but gets it done on time. So today, we're going to divide up these tips into four different categories. The first is making that push through tough blocks, mastering timing, embracing how you work best, and thinking big picture. And a lot of this was really inspired by something I saw on the 99U site recently. And they talked about breaking the seal of hesitation. And I feel like that's really what everything is going to boil down to today. Like, how do you find the best tips for actually pushing through that difficult time when you feel yourself procrastinating and how to actually get through it? So I'm going to start with tip one. And then I'm going to ask Julia questions along the way because I know how she works and she works at home with me. So I feel like you're going to have some good insight of how people can have difficulties with these tips and then how we actually push through them yeah i can speak for the <laughs> pro procrastination <laughs> group but I've, it's funny because i've always described myself as the most productive procrastinator so i think i get my best work done when i'm not doing the work i'm supposed to do so we can we'll get into all that i have a feeling you're it actually, all counts yeah it i have counts. a feeling you're actually doing things you're not realizing um the first thing i want to talk about is pushing through tough blocks Quite frankly, this is the hardest part of anything is just taking that very first step forward. And I think you can talk till you're blue in the face about all sorts of hacks for like learning how to break up your day into better chunks of time. But it's really about taking that very first step. So I find that breaking the seal is the first thing we have to talk about. And that's the way 99U phrased it. And I think it's a great way to think about it, which is you have to take one tiny step. A lot of times I think when we're looking at overwhelming tasks, the first thing we do is think about like, oh, okay, I'm going to do it this day or do that this day. But it's really about taking one tiny step forward. I find the best way to do this is to actually just schedule yourself something tiny, like 
10 minutes per day of working on some aspect of a huge project. And I find that 10 minutes over the course of a week, even though that smells, sounds like a really tiny amount of time, is actually incredibly helpful. I feel like you, Julia, have done like a lot of long-term projects yeah. that you've broken up that way before. I totally agree because I primarily work on cookbooks, which um, is a daunting amount of work. And I tend to break it down... I mean, cookbooks sort of break themselves down. They break themselves into chapters and then recipes within those chapters. And so I used to set goals that were so big to accomplish in like a single day or a month or whatever it was. And then when I wouldn't accomplish those, when I was like, oh, I didn't write a chapter today, (laughs) you know, then I would feel bad because I like thought I could do it and then I didn't. And then you end up not doing anything because you're just feeling crummy about it all. So I found if I dedicate I think time works better than an amount of work for me. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that. Like if I'm like, I'm going to work on this for 10 minutes out of this hour. But then all of a sudden, once I start, I keep going. And I don't want to like compare this to like dieting and like exercise. But it's just a very easy comparison to make, which is like, I always feel like the hardest part about exercising is actually just getting to the Mm -hmm. gym or the class or the, you know, park or whatever it is. And I feel like once I get there, I'm fine. And I'm like, I can put in the time and the effort and all that. But starting is always really hard. So I think if you make starting as approachable as possible, and just like a small increment of time, or it's like, I'm going to write one sentence. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but that sentence will lead to the rest. But that first one was hard to write. So well, another important thing to acknowledge is that you've written that one sentence, and I would much rather be the person who wrote the one sentence and the person who sat there and like hemmed and hawed yeah. about it for three hours and then didn't write mm-hmm. the sentence and I think that's the thing that holds a lot of people back is worrying that that first step that first sentence that first whatever won't be perfect mm-hmm. and it won't be good and I think at the end of the day it's much more important to have like five usable sentences that you Absolutely. can have as a draft of something than yeah. nothing and now the more work I've done the more I've learned about myself that I am really good at going back and correcting things so I would rather if the first step, if I totally accept that it won't be perfect, and I don't even expect that, and I just know that the first step is just getting something on the paper or on mm-hmm. the screen, and then I can go back and like rearrange it and all that stuff, I don't seem to have trouble starting to do. But just getting it there in the first place is the big, big, big seal to break, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, The second thing I want to talk about in this category is the idea of turning things that you don't like into learned behavior. Mm. Um, This is one of the most difficult things. (laughs) (laughs) How to eat your vegetables. Um, I really hate admin work. Like I, Mm -hmm. I really hate having to process like bills and taxes. And I mean, I don't know anybody who does like that, but those sorts of things that come with anyone's job, whether you're a freelancer or not can be incredibly difficult. But I've found that over the last 10 years, I don't mind them as much anymore. I don't love them. But I think at the same time, they become much easier to do and almost like this robotic way of getting through things because I allot myself a certain time in the morning to only do that type Mm -hmm. of thinking. Um, And I think the more often you do something and you can find a way to pull that aspect out of a daily task, it becomes less scary. For example, I find most people hate the sort of like businessy taxi money stuff you have to do with work and that often involves excel sheets and math and pulling out a calculator and all sorts of stuff that if you work in a creative field for example you don't work with those things quite often as as other people would in less creative fields but i find if you can find that aspect in something you do every day those little tasks become less something you associate with an act you don't enjoy and more just things that you're using in your daily life so if you've got a problem getting through one particular part of your to-do list that you don't enjoy look at what that actual task entails and break that into what the actual steps are is it that you don't like 
dragging out Excel? Is it that you don't like having to get out of the house and go mail things? Find a way to work those actual activities into things you have to do every single day. If making a trip to the mail store or if making a trip to wherever becomes something you have to do every single week, it becomes much less of a big deal. I find if there's one thing that's out of the norm of what I typically do, I can find a way to put that one out of norm thing off for months (laughs) but i also think it's i've come i mean i totally agree and i've come to not look forward to doing my taxes or anything i also think this is a much i'm much more relaxed having this conversation on april 17th (laughs) as opposed to 14th um but i i find or at least ideally in my head maybe not in practice i find that all those activities that are like the business of doing um i guess my business that I used to really dread and feel, and I think I would dread them because I didn't know exactly how to do them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know, I know how to write a recipe and I can like own that and feel confident about that. But like when it comes to doing taxes and admin work, like I don't feel as confident. So I think that's kind of what puts me off of it a lot. Um, But that's, I guess, psychological, but I've come to not look forward to that stuff, but I think it does balance the creative work a bit more. And I think there's something, not that it's mindless at all. And you, you know, definitely it's pays to pay attention. Um, but I think it's nice to do tasks that don't use my head in the same way Mm -hmm. that my work does. And I think it makes me actually look forward to my work more, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an added benefit. So I always think about my work life, especially because I am a freelancer and I work from home and I don't have like set structures in place is I always think of it as like the seesaw and I'm always trying to achieve some balance. So it's like if I'm putting in, if I'm testing recipes and standing in the kitchen all day, one day, I want the next day to be like sitting and writing and writing up those recipes and always, you know, like balancing sitting and standing or like using my head and using my hands or whatever it is. So if, if doing spreadsheets and stuff for like one hour in a day means getting another hour to like do something physical or active, you know, always the seesaw. I think that's a great way to think of it is the like do your opposite thing mm-hmm. that we always yeah, talk about. And yeah. I think it's good and it's difficult because you think like, oh, taking an Excel sheet break is like a punishment mm-hmm. away from what you typically enjoy doing. But if you could try to work on it as a mindset is like this is giving my brain a chance to do something and expand and to learn and to get better at something that it's not typically doing. It's a valuable long term thought. Um, the last little thing to think about in this this advice in terms of pushing through that really tough first step I find it's incredibly helpful to just combine like tasks. And I don't mean do all of your taxes on one day and save it for one day. But if you find that you hate putting off or you hate doing one thing and you put it off, put all those similar tasks together. And I find doing them first thing in the morning is the best thing to do. So I do every single bit of my admin work right when I wake up. So like at 8 or 9 a.m., I'm on the internet. I'm answering every email that's piled up over the night. I'm answering every bit of send this person a paycheck, send this person a bill, do whatever that is. I get that out of the way. And then the rest of the day, I can be creative and deal with what I want to deal with. I also think doing that kind of stuff where there's like such a definitive like beginning and end Mm -hmm. like gives at least for me like such a sense of accomplishment so it's like if I can go if I can get that admin stuff done or I can exercise in the morning or do whatever it is that I like usually tend to put off and if I can feel accomplished that I did that it really fuels the rest of my work and so if I can go into my sort of more creative or you know fun whatever you want to call it work already feeling a sense of accomplishment I think it really it helps the work and I think it's always like I love um 
when you're like starting to make a list of things to do, but like I always include one thing I've already done so I can already cross it off. <laughs> and it's like, it just makes me feel like I'm already on my way. So mm-hmm. it's a nice, it's good to get that stuff done before the other stuff, I think. It's a great idea. So the next category I want to talk about is timing. And timing is a bit obvious when you're talking about productivity, but I think a lot of times people are thinking about timing in a way that already feels stressful. And I think if you look about it as like you have more than enough time to get things done in a way that's important for your business in the day, you don't have to get it all done in one day. It becomes a bit more it's easy to grasp. So the first thing I want to talk about is starting early. I've talked about this ad nauseum on this show before, but the older I get, the more I truly, truly believe that every person I know who's like incredibly busy and incredibly productive starts early. And that doesn't mean it has to be 6am, but before 10 a.m., they are up and doing something. Um, so I really firmly believe it's starting early before you've had a chance to like dread doing something is an important time to, tar- to start difficult things. Because I find if I don't do that stuff, I don't like like admin work and email and all of that. If I don't do that before 10 a.m., it's never getting done. It's going to get put off and boomeranged and sent back to me in four hours and then four more hours because I don't want to do it. So if I just kind of throw myself in in the morning before I've had time to like clear out my eyes and really think about what I have to do that day, I find it a bit easier. I mean, it's it's so funny, because it's something that I've, I've always like, m- the fantasy version of myself in my head is someone who gets <laughs> up early and gets all her work done. And it's something I've struggled with my whole life. And I always for a really long time prided myself on being this night owl. And like mm-hmm. in college, I would stay up all night and do all my work. And I thought that was like, I mean, I think like I had some idea that I was like a beat poet or something. (laughs) But and then I continued to do that. And I like lived my life as a freelance writer as someone who would stay up really late and do all my work, like basically in the middle of the night. But I kind of felt like crappy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I I just felt tired. Um, And then I would sleep the next day until like 10 or 11 in the morning. But I mean, I got all my work done. So like I felt accomplished. But I also felt like I saw half the day go by and it really got me down for a long time. And I feel like I've been slowly over the last year or so transitioning to being someone who gets up and does my work earlier. And not only I have a dog (laughs) and a wife (laughs) and yeah, I think the best solution for procrastination is to get married, (laughs) but I just, not only do I feel better physically because I'm on a more sort of regular schedule and I'm sleeping more and I sleep better, but also my work is better. And when I, I used to think like that, like 3am, like, you know, whatever it was I was writing was so great. But then I would wake up and be like, it's actually not great. And I'd go back and like work on it. And when I work in the morning now, my head is just fresher and clearer and has more energy. And I feel like not only is my writing better when I write in the morning, but I also do it a lot faster Mm -hmm. and I'm not exhausted and struggling to get through it and like falling asleep on my laptop. It's like I get it done and then I go on with like the rest of my day and it's good. Good way to I'm going to have to listen to this over and over <laughs> and remind myself to get up. that you wanted to do it. Um, I want to talk about something a little bit controversial, controversial internally for me, because it's advice that I kind of believe in and then I practice in my own life, but I have a difficulty accepting because it makes me feel like my work life balance is off. But I think there's actually a really good part to doing a little bit of work on the weekend. Um, I feel like I've read a lot about like business productivity and people who speak about this thing like every day of the year and they travel giving you advice and they always tell you to use your weekends for work. And I feel really strongly that you should not be using 90% of your weekend for work. But every now and then when I do put in like two or three hours, maybe just on a Sunday morning, I feel so much better because that way Monday morning, I'm not starting in already behind. I'm not 
worrying on Sunday night about all the stuff I'm going to have to get up and do early. And then I actually get my Sunday night to watch wonderful HBO shows and other things that I get very excited about. Exactly. To order (laughs) things. Um, But I think that's, it's kind of okay to let you, let you have a little bit of that leeway. Um, I think a lot of times people write that off as like, just completely shut off, unplug, don't touch anything. But I think there is a lot of value in getting just that tiny step ahead so that you get to start the work week feeling calm and not like I'm already behind on everything. I think, I mean, I totally agree. And I think for me, it's been something I've tried to seek more balance in again. Um, And because I used to not like, I used to joke all the time about like, I don't know the difference between a weekday and a weekend Mm -hmm. because I'm a freelancer. And, you know, so I would do all my work whenever I had work to do. Um, And then as I've gotten a little bit older, as my personal life has changed, I've come to really value weekends more than I really ever have before. But at the same time, I think there's something... There's a different feeling, at least for me, working on the weekend as opposed to during the week, even though like it doesn't really make a difference in my work life because I'm not really reporting to an office or to anyone. Um, and I find that weekends just do feel more relaxed. So if there's like a personal, if there's like writing I have to do that's more personal, mm-hmm. like I like to do that on the weekends, I just feel a bit more relaxed. I like working when I know that if someone's emailing me, I'm not expected to like return that email. Um that's like a nice feeling. But it's funny, it makes me think about my parents because I grew up with parents who worked my whole life and still do. And we used to, our time as a family used to happen on the weekends and not during the week. They were both, you know, in offices. But they would always work on the weekends, but it was before everyone had a computer at home or laptops or cell phones or email. And so even though there was work going on, it did feel unplugged. Um, And so that's the kind of work I think about, like on the weekends where it's just sort of, you know, like more thoughtful work maybe it's work on your own schedule yeah. and on your own time yeah. and I, I think that on your own terms that part is really important it's hard to do these days with how plugged in we are mm-hmm. that's a good point about your parents um we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the second half of tips so stay tuned in emerging design check out of a kind a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers the site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited edition pieces you can't find anywhere else along with the studio tours travel guides even recipes from the designers to find out more head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter 
Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie, and today I'm joined by Julia Tertian, and we're talking about productivity tips. And not just tips, but tips that really affect the way you think about how you use your time, how you work, and what works for you. So that leads perfectly into the next category I want to talk about, which is really learning to embrace the way that you work. I think Obviously, we're going to share tips today. There are a billion people sharing tips on the internet, and I think so many people read those things and think, oh my God, I don't do that, I don't do this, or I don't have time to do that sort of thing. I think the first thing to do that's really important is to understand that there's no one way to do anything, and that if you can find the way that works for you right now, that's completely acceptable, and that's perfect for you, and that's completely okay. I think a lot of times I read like the David Allen getting things done type of school of thought about you have to break every action into three different things you can do and file it into three different folders, and I understand why those things work, but they don't work for me. Well, he's brilliant because his work is giving people tips about doing their work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the business you have to go in and then you're fine. Exactly. Um, so I, I find that especially when I talk to people who are working moms, there's so much advice about like, you know, like we were just talking about getting up early or like using specific areas of time for things that don't always work for every different person's lifestyle. They don't work for every person's industry. And I think everybody cutting each other a little bit of slack and realizing that, you know, maybe not starting early in the morning and maybe your version of early morning is late night. And if that's what works for you, then that's completely okay. But I think the first step is to understand that what works for you is completely all right and it's not wrong because, you know, David Allen doesn't believe in that. (laughs) I mean, I think it's true of everything in life. If there was a right way to do Mm -hmm. any number of things, then we would all just do that and we wouldn't be talking about it. And I think what makes the conversation interesting, what makes life interesting is that we all find different ways of getting whatever it is we need to get done, done. Exactly. Um, so accept that. That's step one. <laughs> Easy peasy. No problem. Do you. <laughs> Do you. Um, one thing I think that's really important to talk about is the way that we can choose to either feel and f- feel feelings and then move on or let them be a huge hurdle in the day. And that's something I've talked about a lot on shows about negativity and dealing with those. And I think this really ties into the idea of just accepting who you are and the way you work is that if you have something that comes into your day that's frustrating, that's upsetting, that's difficult, or that's wonderful, and that makes you feel like you want to take a chunk of time away to like feel and live in whatever that thing that just happened happened, I think it's good to let yourself do that. I think so often I see people put off important phone calls or if something upsetting happens or they don't feel well, they just push through it and keep working. And obviously within reason, there's a time and place for that mentality. But I think a lot of times there's really something to be said for if you're frustrated, walk away from the desk, like get away from the computer, go outside or step out somewhere where you can have some privacy and accept that feeling, feel it and try to work through it in a way that lets you be focused and attentive to what your actual personal needs are. Um, I think way too often people are told to just like leave those feelings out of the workplace. And yes, like you don't need to burst into tears on a board meeting because of something that you could maybe take outside and feel separately from your bosses. But I think it's really important to find time to really accept what's happening to you, move, move through it and then focus on work. I totally agree. Cause I think if there's, I think the, if, if something is frustrating you or upsetting you or, you know, whatever negative feeling happens, and then you take that with you into your work, the price you're going to pay for that usually is way more than the actual Mm -hmm. thing itself. If you just deal with it and dealing with it might just mean like feeling it Mm -hmm. and fully feeling it and putting everything aside, just like you were saying, and then you can go back into whatever it is that you actually need to do, you know, and you've gotten over that thing and you're not bringing that with you and it's not taking away from everything that you have to do. And yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I I think it gets written off too much. And I think that it's often seen as like a sign of weakness. But I think that the thing that hurts your business way more is to carry that feeling in a tiny form with you all day, rather than just letting yourself sit down and feel upset or feel angry or feel whatever you need to feel. I think processing that and stepping away is a really great idea. The next thing I want to talk about is something I love to hate, which are meetings and appointments. Um, I think I have a bit of a reputation for being somebody who like refuses to make meetings for anything unless I could get a really clear idea of what that meeting's goal is and how long it's going to be and why we're meeting in person versus online or why are we talking about it in person versus an email. And I think that that comes down to the way everybody works efficiently on their own. And I think some people really love meetings and really love to meet people face to face or hash things out that way or to brainstorm in person. But I don't think that's actually how everybody works best. I feel I've learned pretty well that that's not the format in which I communicate best. It's not the format in which I learn the best. Um, And I think the more that I can say like, okay, I'm not going to swear off meetings just because I don't like them, but because this isn't the most efficient way to get done what I need to get done. It's a small thing that allows you to put your needs first. And I think too often people don't put their own work needs and habits in the forefront and say like, hey, I totally understand that your MO is to always schedule a meeting, but I actually work best if we could do a little bit of work over email first, or let's jump on Skype really quickly and see if we can push through some of this before we spend you know, half an hour commuting, half an hour commuting back and all of that sort of stuff. Um, well, it's that, yeah, I think it comes down to timing often because I think that half an hour mm-hmm. of like having a coffee with someone can very quickly turn into like three hours out of your day. Like maybe exactly. it's maybe it's far away, maybe they're late, maybe you're late, maybe it gets, you know, you start talking and you keep talking and all sorts of things. So that's good to be aware of. But I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit because I have always loved meetings. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think for a long time, I really always said yes to any time anyone wanted to meet or I would propose like, hey, why don't we meet and like talk about this? Like even if we're not actually working on anything specific. Um, and for me, that came out of a desire just to build a community around my work because I work alone at home and, you know, it's night. And also if I have these meetings set up, it helps me structure the rest of my day and my schedule. Um, and I also really just like talking to people and hearing what they're doing. But I've definitely, I think I've, so I feel like I was on the other end of the spectrum from what you just described, but I think I'm finding some middle ground. I'm talking with my hands right now and I realize no one can see that. (laughs) Um, But I feel like I've found a little bit, again, of balance and, you know, have met somewhere in the middle where I'll still um, take a meeting or propose a meeting, but I think I've gotten better at, if I sit down with someone in person, like being the first one to say like, all right, like, why are we here today? Or like, Mm. you know, what do we like, what do we need to get done? Or, um, you know, so I make that time as efficient as possible because it's like, I mean, of course, I'd love to hear how everyone's doing and where, mm-hmm. you know, what they just spent their weekend doing and what they ate for dinner last night and all that. And like, yeah, I'm totally curious. But also at a certain point, like, I don't need to know what you ate for dinner if it means like, you know, we're just trying to get a project mm-hmm. done or something. I feel so often people who are the people who start the meeting with like, oh, this thing happened and my kid's soccer game and blah, blah, blah. I feel like they think that's like something that they're obligated to do as well. Like, I feel like if you actually sat down with people and said like, Hey, I care about you. I am interested in your personal life, but for this chunk of time during our work day, like let's just power through this. I think that's the, um, sort of dangerous part about meeting with people in person. Cause I think we just all as social people, you know, in the world, just, you know, you have a tendency to just have small chat and catch up and stuff. And I think when you'd speak on the phone with someone, there's something much more like 
directive, like mm-hmm. we're on the phone for a reason, so we're, and we want to get off the phone. Um, and email is even more direct because you're mm-hmm. usually asking a specific question or responding to one. So I think it's just being aware of like what happens in those different contexts, knowing what you need to get out of them, and knowing how you behave in those. And like for you, I know, you know, email and stuff is like the quickest way to get through everything. Um, sometimes for me, I feel like. I hate talking on the phone, but mm-hmm. usually that is actually the fastest because a lot of email stuff is going back and forth mm-hmm. about a billion things Absolutely. that you could clear up like just by talking to someone. So it's, I think it's just knowing what comes up in those different arenas. I'll call you if I have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to our last topic, which is big picture ideas. Um, I think it's incredibly important to embrace that a lot of the things that have to do with productivity are about taking a quick break to sit and pause and think about what's the most important thing for you in the big picture. So many productivity tasks and hacks are about like getting five extra minutes, finding an extra 10 minutes to work on something. And like, those are all great short game ideas. But I think at the end of the day, those things are very easy to just they pile up. And the next thing you know, you're not thinking about what's the most important for you. I feel like an easy way to lose five minutes is by reading. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Hopefully this won't be a waste of 30 minutes. Um, the first thing I want to think is actually a tip that I read um, from Business Insider. I love Business Insider. If people don't read that website, it's so good, of so full of so really great advice. Um, that's sort of like a billion links to everything. So that if you see one bit of advice, there are like 15 other articles that are related to it or other people you should be reading that talk about this topic. I find it so helpful. Um, but Business Insider did an interview with the CEO of Good Data, whose name is Roman Stanek. And he said that every single month, he takes one day completely out unplugged to think about big term, big picture stuff. And I find that any business owner, whether you're a freelancer and you're working for yourself or you're somebody who's running a small business where you make things and sell things, to take a full day off and actually think about what you did that month, what you did that week, or what you're doing that year is incredibly important because no matter how hard you try, those are the thoughts that stay in the back of our head all the time. Like, is this getting me towards whatever my goal is, my big goal for my whole year, my business or whatever. But if you kind of let those things nag at you, you never really give them your full attention and they take away from what you're doing at the moment. So I find I try to do this like a couple hours a week um, versus one day a month. But I think if that's what works best for your schedule, one day a month is a really great idea. I think I think it's incredibly important and I think there's a big and quite potentially bad like seduction about being busy Hmm. in this sort of day and age and I think everyone wants to be because even when you're not working you're you know you're on any form of social media Mm -hmm. you're texting your friends you're you know you're plugged in all the time and I think everyone really I think there's I mean maybe this is just because we live in New York I don't know but like I think there's this competitive spirit to like Mm -hmm. how busy you are and like oh like I'm at dinner but like my phone is like you know like all these things are popping up and buzzing Mm -hmm. and beeping and it's like but I think that makes people feel like good because like people are in touch with you and you're in touch with them and there's all I'm talking with my hands again (laughs) we can (laughs) see um but I think it's so important to like turn all of that off even if it's for like you know again like five minutes in the morning or something, you know, and just have a moment to pause, have a moment to think about like what you're doing. Are you enjoying it? Mm -hmm. Like, are you doing this in the most efficient way you can? Like, I think it's always good to like stop and check in. And I think the more often you do that, the better your work is, the better the quality of your day to day life is, Mm -hmm. you know, the happier you are. And like, I mean, I think it's, it's easy to like, think about this in terms of like personal stuff. Like I know, like my favorite time that we spend together is like, if we have dinner and we leave our phones at home Mm -hmm. and like and I think it's 
I mean, it, like, it's a good example for the rest of our lives, too. And I think it's really, I think you get really good ideas when you, like, put away all the noise. And I, I just think it's beneficial to be quiet every now and then. I agree. And I think it's important if you look at, I mean, I, I look at this sort of stuff pretty regularly because I'm geeky like that, like on Amazon, what the most popular business and life advice books are. All the ones in the top are like the four hour work week and how to get away from like stress and business. I think as much as and New York in particular, like glamorizes overworking, essentially, I think at their core, like people vote with their dollar. And I think when you see what people actually buy and what they're interested in, it's about working less and how to work smarter and how to spend less time doing what you don't want to do and more time doing what you do want to do. So I think the sooner people can step away from the idea of like, you know what, I'm more impressed with somebody who's found a way to like actually live the life they want to live versus somebody whose phone is like blowing up every Mm -hmm. two seconds with some sort of important text or update or whatever it is. So let's talk about delegation. Um, I feel really strongly the delegation is probably one of the only things people should think about if they feel overwhelmed by the idea of productivity and don't understand how to get through things. But I think the first thing they think about is delegating is like, oh, I can give that to somebody I work with, but not everybody works with somebody else. And I think that's completely okay. But there are a lot of things you can delegate throughout the day that I don't think people think about. Um, obviously, I've talked about and you've talked about too, the brilliance of TaskRabbit and websites that let you take things off of your daily to-do list that don't have to be done by you and give you more time to do what you actually love. Um, but I think that that's something that shouldn't be overlooked. And I think, yes, it often costs money to whether it's hire a place or drop off your laundry versus spending two hours doing your laundry or hiring somebody to babysit for a bit while you work on the book that you're writing. Whatever it is, I think that those are incredibly worthwhile expenses. Um, They're obviously things that are somewhat of a luxury and people have to be able to plan and budget for that. But I think too often people don't think about how important it is to not have every single thing have your name attached to it. Um, I think that very much correlates to the idea of how much we glamorize overwork and pulling late hours and pulling all-nighters and having you be the person who did every single thing. I don't think that's the strongest and the best way to do things. I think there's something to be said for being smart enough and clever enough to find ways to get people to help you or hire people to do things that don't actually need your stamp on them. I could not agree more. And I think, but I do think, I'm just going to speak a little bit to something you sort of mentioned about the luxury of it, Mm because I think it's hard when you... I mean, it's it's hard for all of us, but I think it's particularly, at least for me, I know it's a challenge because I don't work for a company that delegates other things on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So when I choose to delegate, sometimes it's really daunting because it's like maybe, and it could be on a really small scale, maybe it's paying a task rep at $20 to mm-hmm. do like a delivery that just, you know, it's worth that $20 because like it means I get two more hours in my day to actually do work, you know, that's... I think it comes down to, for me, I want to do things that only I can do and are particular Mm. to me. And if there's other things that someone else can do and I can really tap into getting their help on that and it, like, lets me do my work better, I'm all for it. Um, But I think it is, it can be really scary when you're the one who has to pay for it. But I think when you realize, like, I, maybe a year or two ago, I hired... I had an accountant I didn't love and I hired a really good accountant who was much more expensive than my last accountant, but she is so good and I trust her and she does all the work that I hate doing and that I'm scared to do because I don't know mm-hmm. how to do it and I can hand 
that all over to her. And yeah, maybe she cost a bit more, but that price is worth the peace of mind I get in return. And it lets me go back and do all the work I really love. And it lets me do that well, because I'm not stressed about all the stuff that I have no idea about. So for me, that price is totally worth it. But like, the first time I got a bill from her was I like shocked and my like (laughs) jaw hit the ground. Absolutely. But then when I see how that, you know, when I sort of quantify like that kind of um, just benefit to everything else, it is so worth it. And it's an investment. I think when you work for yourself, if you're a writer, a maker, whatever you are, I think you have to think of these things as investments in your company and your company is you. So, you know, it's worth it. Absolutely. We're just about out of time. So I'm going to throw two more quick Mm -hmm. things out there. Two of the things I love the most, the first one, always be learning. Um, I think if you're thinking big picture, you have to constantly be plugged in in some way to what's happening in your industry. And that includes your industry in the business owner or freelancer sense, because I think so often people are struggling with things. And if they don't look up, they might miss that somebody's written something really great that could help them with that. Someone's created a tool or an app or some sort of technique that could help you improve or streamline something that you haven't figured out yet. So I think one of the best things to do is always be learning. Um, My favorite sources... I love Jess Lively's podcast. Alt Summit provides some great channels and online courses. Um, I know I ragged on him a bit, but I do think David Allen is pretty much a genius when it comes to systemizing work to make it easier for you, if that works for you. And Design Sponge also offers a section of the site free every week called Biz Ladies, uh, which is not just for ladies, but for everyone. Um, that is great free advice if you need to always be kind of updating on what's happening and that can help you with your business. The last thing that I want to send everybody home with is the idea that all of these things are great and these tips are important, but you should also embrace the idea of whatever works until it doesn't. A lot of times what works for you in a business will work for a year or work for five years or work for 10 years, but it may not work for that 11th year. And I think if you cut yourself a little bit of slack and say, okay, this was great for a while. I love delegating or I loved not delegating, but now I'm ready to move on to a different way of doing things. It doesn't mean that your business isn't working. It doesn't mean that you are not a successful person. It just means that things change and that is the natural order of the way people work. So no matter what you've learned today or taken home with you from this episode, I hope you'll give yourself a little bit of slack and understand that if these work for you for a bit, that's great, but totally accept that things will change as you go forward. And that's just part of being an adaptable business owner. So thanks, Julia, for being here. Thank you. And thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.